we're jumping back into this series called Uncluttered. And the premise behind this series is that while Christmas should be a time of joy, while Christmas should be a time of celebration, it's often a time of stress and a time of burden. It's a source of, uh, between decorating and shopping and party planning and party attending and kids programs and family visits and all these things that can pile up and pile up and pile up. And then what happens is that on December 25th or maybe the 26th, we just are left feeling exhausted. And so the, the premise behind this series is how do we move beyond the clutter? How do we push all of that to the side and focus on the things that really matter most, like presents? <laughs> hey, who's done with their Christmas shopping in here? Just like you're asking, who's done? Overachievers. Cool, 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 cool. I am not yet done. I've still got some things I got to get for my wife and a couple things I got to get for my kids. But what I want to do today is I want to give you an opportunity to maybe do some shopping in here. Is that cool? cool? So I want to give you maybe three things that I'm looking at and possibly buying uh, for the, the family and the friends and the loved ones that I have. And so uh, the first one is this one. This is called the crib dribbler. Now, I've got three staff members who are having babies very, very soon. And so I wanted to go ahead and, and let them know, uh, you know, Tyler, Trevor, and Eric, that this is what I'm getting them. And so it's going to make nights so much easier. They don't have to rock their kids back to sleep. They just fill up the crib dribbler at night, and they're good to go, right? I mean, here's the thing. I've got a two-year-old, and I would have loved this. So thank you very much for getting me this two years ago. Nobody in here got me that, and I'm very, very upset about that. Or maybe, maybe it's this one. This is the, ne the next one I'm getting. Uh, I'm actually getting this for my son. My son is getting my first fire. Um, now, here's the thing. It comes with a little gas can, right? Eight ounces of fuel. Eight ounces, right? And so we'll go down to the holiday and get some gas, and then we'll come, and we'll, we'll have a fire on December 25th. Going to be a blast at my house. Come on by. It's probably going to be on fire, all right? Uh, or maybe this one. This is the one I'm going to get for my daughter. It's called Hot Dog Homestead, okay? There's one thing about, like, Lincoln Logs. Like, when I was a kid, I loved me some Lincoln Logs. It's another thing if you actually can eat your Lincoln Logs, right? Like, I'm going to make this fort, and then I'm going to eat it, right? That's what I'm getting, and so there you go. Maybe you need to do some shopping. I don't know. But here's the thing. Because some of you are like, you just said the most important thing is presence, and, and I don't fully comprehend that. It's a play on words. See, because Christmas is incredibly busy. And I know it's a season of preparations between buying gifts and Amazon boxes flooding your front door and cookies that need to be made and brought to Ryan's office, and there's travel arrangements, and there's everything about this season and that's targeted to the then and the there. The future, all this stuff is targeted to that day down there. And the temptation is, is that we're missing out on some very important things right here, right now. We're so focused on the then and there that we miss out on the here and the now. And perhaps, perhaps what will happen is if we would focus on the present moment, that perhaps it would propel us into a better year. Let me say it this way. We think so much about the then and the there that we miss out on the here and the now. That if we were fully present, we might see more of what God has in store for us or what God can offer us. Jesus understood this principle. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He says this, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus asked a question we all know the answer to. I mean, has anyone in this room or even in overflow today, has anyone by worrying been able to add anything to their life? No. But you know what adding worries can do? 
It can actually rob you of the current moment that you're in. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he answers his own question. He says this, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can get behind something like that. What Jesus is saying, he's saying every minute can matter as long as we're focused on the present minute. Uh, the premise of today is this, that we might unclutter the gift of presence. See, I believe that being present with God and being present with others might be the best gift you can possibly get for someone this year. I mean, the crib dribbler, that's great. And the hot dog homestead, that, that's an incredible gift. But perhaps being present with God and being present with other people might be the best gift you can give to somebody this year. And so let's define presence. A presence is being attentive and available to this moment. Now, let me even simplify it more for you. Presence is being here. See, just because you're in the room or just because you're logging on or just because you're over in the overflow room doesn't necessarily mean that you're present. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're here. Have you ever been around someone and you're talking to them and you realize that halfway through the conversation, you realize they're not even present with you in that moment. Either they're on their phone or they're, they're focused on something else or they're doing something else. You ever met someone or been around someone where you realize that person is just not here? This past week that happened in my home. I was, uh, it was Sunday afternoon, uh, I just finished up church here, and I'd asked my wife, I said, hey honey, the next few weeks are really, really crazy, do you mind if you would take the kids and go have a play date with a friend down at Mobius, uh, you just get out of the house for a little while, and I'm going to work on a message uh, for this week, because I really have to uh, focus on a message about being here and being present, and so I, I sent my kids and my wife away, and, and after church, I, I went home, and I sat on the couch for a second, turned on the Gonzaga game. Kicked the trash can. They lost against Tennessee. I kicked the trash can. It was over. It's a long story. I'll tell you about another day. Um, but, but then the exact game is over, and, and I knew that they were going to be gone for a few more hours, and so I, I sat down on the couch, had my laptop out, and I had my iPad out and my phone out, and I started working through some stuff for this message today. A few hours pass, and my son comes home from Mobius. He's six years old. He walks into the house, and all he wants to do is get my attention. He says, hey, Dad, without looking up, I, I'm looking down, working on stuff. Like, just a minute, son. What do you need? Hey, Dad, just a minute, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there in just a second, Dax. And he asked a couple more times. And then it hit me. The same thing that I'm going to come and tell thousands of people to do, I'm not even willing to do in my own home. I was so focused on the then and there, I was so focused on a week out that I was missing out, and that's a tension that so many of us live in, and all I needed to do was shift my attention, shift my availability, shift my expression and my care and my love and my presence, all so that he could tell me just how badly he wants to go see the new Bumblebee movie, that's all. <laughs> but that's the tension we live in, isn't it? To be pulled to the then and there when there's opportunity right in front of us to be present in that moment. And so here's what I want to do today. Today, all I'm trying to accomplish is to present a case as to why the here and now, why the present matters just as much as the then and there. So today what I want to do is I want to give us five reasons to be present or five reasons to be here. First one is this, here is joy. You know, I've never met someone who said, you know what I'd like less of in my life? I'd like less joy in my life. I've never met that person. I've never met someone who's like, you know what? I want whatever the opposite of joy is. If I can get more of that, man, things would be great. No. 
We all want joy. But here's the thing. You, you can experience joy in your past, and you can experience joy in your future. You can be anticipating it. But the only place you can really experience it is right in the moment. It comes in a moment called now. Joy is a thing you must be present to win. It's not something you can phone in from a distance. No, you can have joy in your past, and you can anticipate joy in your future, but joy is experienced in the here and the now. My fear is that we're anticipating so much joy down the road that we're missing out on the joy that God has for us right here. See, Christmas is all about experiencing joy. Don't believe me? Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to see the joy that some wise men had by experiencing Jesus, bringing Jesus gifts, and then being joyful because they experienced who he was. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, says this. Jesus, kind of the whole thing of Christmas, just so we're all on the same page. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Hit pause for a second. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Christmas is about seeking Jesus and then worshiping him. That's what Christmas should be about. And when you do that, what you'll find is that joy will, will come through that. By seeking him out for who he is and what he's done, it will then allow us to worship him, which will take us to the next step of joy. And now let's backtrack a second because you're asking the question, who are these wise men? What, what, what about them? Tell me a little bit about them. Well, they're magi, okay? comes from the Greek word magos. It's actually the word where we get the word magic, okay? And many people believe that they were ancient priests who would use the constellation patterns in the sky to gain wisdom and direction for their lives. Think about that for a second. Can you imagine living in a day where people use astrological patterns for personal advice? Crazy, right? I'm a Libra. All right, the text says... They were from the east. The most important detail is that they're coming to Jerusalem. They're coming into Israel, but they're foreigners, they're outsiders, they're pagans, and they're seeking this child, the king of the Jews. It's not the kind of king that they'd be familiar with. Pick up the story in verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked them this. He says, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. So Herod realizes something. He's like, Bethlehem? That's five miles away. This child is within reach. And so he comes up with this plan. Herod decides, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe out every firstborn child across the way to make sure that this person doesn't take over my throne. So I'm going to send these wise men, and they're going to go, and they're going to come back, and they're going to tell me about this child and where he is, and I'll go find him. Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting. And he learned from the time when the star was first appeared, and he said, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for this child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can, air quotes, go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star had been seen in the east, guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with, what's that word? They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, 
And they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed down. They, they experienced who Jesus was. And they come in and they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. I heard a story this past week about some little boys who were getting ready for a Christmas pageant. And they'd been rehearsing their lines. They were the wise men in the story. And so they'd been rehearsing their lines. And they were young. And it was the first time of ever performing in front of a crowd of people. And so here they were, uh, nervous as you can get out. The first boy comes in. He's got a frantic look on his face. He says, I bring you gold. Next little boy, not, not very confident, comes in. But, but he wants to make sure that he gets his, his uh, words out. He says, I give you more. Last little boy comes out, and he looks super, super concerned. He looks really, really confused, and he says, Frank, sense this. <laughs> I don't know what Frank sent. See, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, many scholars would believe that the frankincense and myrrh were actually worth more than the gold that was brought. In total, these gifts actually would have been worth more than Jesus had ever made in his entire lifetime. And I love that the text says that these guys experienced joy. It wasn't that they experienced joy because they saw Jesus. It wasn't that they experienced joy that they worshipped him. It was that they experienced joy because they had an opportunity to give something back to him. And some of you, you, you know the rest of the story, some of you. You know that King Herod is going to wipe out all the firstborn children in the area, and so they have to flee. Mary and Joseph and Jesus have to flee to Egypt, and they have to live in exile for five to ten years until King Herod actually dies. And you might ask the question, how would this young couple and this new baby actually have survived in exile for five to ten years? It would have been with the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. It would have been with the gold and the myrrh and whatever Frank sent. It would have given enough money for them to live in exile that long. In other words, these gifts the wise men gave, Whatever they were, these gifts actually took care of Jesus for the first five to ten years of his life. And I love this story because what you've got here in this story is that these guys see stars, they see the pattern in the sky, and they use the talents that they have to study that to go and find Jesus. When they find him, don't miss this, they are captured with joy. This Christmas season, as you're seeking out who Jesus is, and I get this, there's so much clutter in your life, there's so many things that have to get done pointing to the then and there, but have you just stopped this Christmas season? Have you just focused in on who he is and allowed that joy to kind of overcome you? Allowed who he is and who he was and who he will always be to kind of come out of you in this moment of joy? Have you just stopped long enough to worship him? Because out of worship will come joy. Second thing being present will do, being here is an opportunity. Here is an opportunity. See, when we're present, we get to see all the opportunities that are in front of us. I love the story of the wise men because they see the stars, and the moment they see the stars, they, they go and they, they go and seek out the child. In verse 2, you see this. They, they are attentive to the stars. They're seeing the opportunity that's in front of them, and they're very attentive. They, they see this opportunity. Are you looking for opportunities this Christmas? Are you looking for opportunities to be used by God? Are you looking for opportunities to connect with God? Are you looking for opportunities to be present with the people around you? Are you looking for opportunities? These wise men were looking for opportunities. Uh, this past Monday was a great opportunity. 
Uh, so this past Monday and every Monday, we gather together as a staff at 9 o'clock to pray. We do it also over in Otis, but we do it here as well. We gather from 9 to 9.30 as a staff, and you're welcome to join us as well. And what we pray for is we pray for whatever you write on your connection card. And so if you've got some prayer requests today, you've got some family coming, you're like, I'm going to need some prayer because i got some family coming this week, put it, on, put it on there, okay? We'll pray for it, I promise. We'll pray for Cousin Eddie, that's fine. We'll pray for all of that. So feel free to, to progress in it. And so this past Monday, I'm sitting in our prayer circle, and I'm looking around as we're getting ready to get started, and I'm realizing majority of our staff isn't here. Like, where are they? Do they not love Jesus? Why aren't they here? Like, they should be here. It's 9 o'clock on a Monday morning. Where is our staff? I got to sit by Dan, and I don't want to sit by Dan. And so, anyway, it's another story. And so, here I am. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, and we get done praying, and afterwards, I'm seeking out some, some friends. I'm going, hey, where were you today? I missed you today. Now, if you recall, Monday was a day in which we had quite a bit of snow. It's an unexpected amount of snow that just kind of happened. And so some of our staff, who apparently love Jesus more than Ryan does, decided they were going to get up and not just scoop their own walk, they were going to scoop their neighbor's walk, and their neighbor's walk, and their neighbor's walk, because you know what, that's just what we, what we do. We, we look for opportunity to be used by God, and so they went and they, they scraped all sorts of their, their neighbor's walk. I want to show you a picture of my house. It's not really my house. I would never scrape my walk. I'm kidding. But you see what happens, right? There are opportunities that, that God places in front of us, opportunities that you might, if you just be attentive to, you could then go and do things for other people, that you might be present with other people. What we found is that uh, people would have conversation with their neighbors if they began scooping their walk. It just kind of happens that way. You do realize that we have an opportunity this next week, right? There's an opportunity called Christmas coming up where we have 11 Christmas services here at VRL between Barker and Otis, 11 services that you could actually be open to the opportunity to invite your family and your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors. You could be open to that invite to invite somebody here. You could be open to the opportunity that you might leave your seat that's the comfortable time, that's the optimal time, and give it up for somebody during one of those optimal times. Uh, for instance, if you're not bringing anyone and you kind of don't have plans for Christmas, here's what we'd love for you to do. We would love for you not to come on Thursday night because we're expecting a pretty good-sized crowd on Thursday night. We would like you to kind of stay away from Christmas Eve at the 2 and the 4 and the 6 and instead maybe think about the 7.30 on Monday to create seats. There's an opportunity for other people who are far from Jesus to come and to sit in here because we want to make sure that we're creating enough space for other people. I heard a story this past week uh, that took place uh, at Summit Elementary slash Middle School. It's where my daughter and son go. I love this school. It's a great school. But I heard a story this past week uh, about Megan Crooks. Megan's right here in the front row. Uh, Megan, actually, this week was inviting a friend to Christmas services. And Megan said, hey, why don't you come to Christmas services? And, and her friend said, hey, I, what time are they? And Megan wasn't quite sure of all of the times of the services because, well, there's a lot of them. And so she was kind of like, I don't really know. Let me go to the church. I'll bring home one of those cards, and you can have one of those cards. And as she said that, Another boy who was in the class overheard this conversation said, no, 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 I have one in my locker. Let me go and get it. And so he goes and he grabs the card and he takes it to this girl that Megan was inviting. If sixth graders can do it, why aren't we doing it? If sixth graders can see an opportunity in front of them in their classroom, why can't we take a box of donuts and place them in our workroom or break room in our work and place a stack of invites right there and say, here you go, enjoy some donuts. And please don't do this. Because I know there's a tendency sometimes to like take the donuts out and then put broccoli and celery and carrots in there. Don't do that. You're jerks when you do that. No one will come to church. There's opportunities in front of us. 
There are opportunities in front of us. In fact, a couple weeks ago, you had an opportunity placed in front of you where we said, hey, we want to provide Christmas for uh, kids in Uganda. We said, we want to provide Christmas. And so we brought bags and we said, hey, take these out and fill them up. And many of you took bags and you filled them up. And we actually sent a team this last week to Uganda so that the kids in Uganda could experience Christmas this next week. Isn't that incredible that we saw an opportunity and we allowed God to be used, or we allowed us to be used through God's work. Isn't that incredible? That, that team is in, in Uganda right now. We have to be attentive to the opportunities, but not just see the opportunity. You have to take it the next step. The next step is this. Here is intentional. See, it's one thing to see the opportunity. It's another thing to, to actually be available. It's another thing to actually get intentional about it. So if you look back at verse 9, these wise men, when they see the stars, you know what they don't do? They don't go, well, I get off work here at 5. I think I might make my way down there then. No, when, when they see the stars, they go immediately. They're available. They're attentive and they're available. They don't wait for their schedule to slow down. They went. Intentionality means availability. One of the greatest pictures of intentionality for me is, is actually my mom. I've told you this before, but, but I played high school football. And my mom did everything she possibly could to, to move mountains to make sure she made it to every single one of my high school football games. And you, you can tell by my stature and my intimidating presence, I was really good at football, right? <laughs> really good. Now, here's the thing. My high school football team went 0-32. I did not win a single high school football game. Not one. And my mom made it to every single one of my... She would move mountains to make sure that she sat there on the bleachers. She made sure that she was at every single one of my games. And you would think maybe after 10 games, my mom would be like, you know what? I think I'm going to skip this one. You would think after 20, she might be, you know what? There's probably something better I could be doing, like painting my toenails, right? There's something I could do that's not going and watch you get stomped into the ground. There's something like that. And you would think after 31 games in a row, she might go, you know what, Ryan? I think I'm the bad luck charm. I think I'll just stay home tonight. See if you can win this one on your own, right? But every single game, 32 games in a row, from my freshman year through my senior year, she would sit on the second row and she would scream obscenities at me and my friends and the referees. She was intentional. <laughs> intentional. Intentional means being present. Intentional means being here. Intentional means showing up. That's the story of Christmas. God saw an opportunity to, to make it right with us, to have a relationship with us. And so he was intentional about sending his son to show up so he could be face-to-face -face with us and say, I'm here for you. That's the story of Christmas. How intentional are you being this Christmas? I mean, you might see opportunities. You might look out and see all these opportunities that God has placed in front of you. But how intentional are you with the opportunities God has placed in front of you? If Jesus is our personal example, we need to be intentional, saying, I'm here for you. I will show up. I'll be present with you. Next one is this. Here, or being present, is freeing. It's freeing. Anybody in here tried, tired of trying to be all places all the time? Anybody tired of that? Anybody tired of trying to monitor their phone that keeps going off and telling them what to do and what to do and what to do? Anybody tired of that? A couple months back, I had the opportunity to travel. And here's the thing. I love traveling. I especially love traveling by myself because I don't have to worry about anything or anyone. I can just get on a plane, put some headphones in, and I can go. And I, I love, love, love traveling. But what's amazing about every time that I travel, every time I get in the plane, they tell me to turn my phone on airplane mode. And I do that. 
because I follow the rules. And so I, I turn it on airplane mode, and we get in the air, and then when we land, I turn my phone on. The moment the wheels hit, I turn my phone back on. And guess what happens every single time we land? Guess what happens? The world is still spinning. It's amazing. I thought that by me turning my phone on airplane mode that everything was going to just go crazy. I thought that by me being not present for just a moment, turning my phone on airplane mode, that everything was going to go up in flames. Sometimes we think that we're in so much control when we really aren't. See, God gave us a gift to be in one place at one time. Do you know that we can choose to be in one place at one time? Do you know we can choose to be free? You can choose this. You know this, right? You, you can pull out your phone right now, and you can put it on airplane mode right now, and you can be free in this moment. And some of you are like, no, 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 I can't do that because it's going to stop telling me what to do. I'm afraid of that. Well, if you're afraid of that, try the do not disturb button. Just try it. See what happens. What you'll find is that it won't, stop, it won't chirp at you. It won't tell you what to do. It won't, it won't do all this stuff. And some of you, you're not Apple users, and that's okay. I'll pray for you. <laughs> some operating systems just aren't as simple. I get it. But every phone has this. Every phone has a varsity level where you can turn it off. Do you know we're in charge of our phone? I know. So weird. We're in charge of it. And hear me say this. I'm not against my phone. I just got my, my update that tells me how many hours a day I spend on it. 2.5 hours a day I spend on it. I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm just saying maybe, just maybe, this Christmas, we should put it away, put it on airplane mode, put it down long enough to see that there's other people in the room. Long enough to see that there's other people that we can have conversation with long enough that we might be present with them in that moment. I'm not just talking about phone. Maybe for some of us, it's the work that we bring into the house. That we're at work and we, we're, we're, we're running this business or we're covering this thing and we get home. And the moment we get home, we walk in and we immediately go back into work mode. Perhaps on the drive home, instead of doing that, perhaps on the drive home, we would just disconnect and recalibrate and understand that when we touch the doorknob at our house, we're actually walking in to our next job or our most important job. See, if we truly say that we focus on what we, what we value, what we focus on, why don't we focus on the people in the room with us? Why don't we focus on the people that were present with us? I don't know how many conversations I've had with someone where I'm in the middle of a conversation, they get a text message, and they pull their phone out, and I'm like, weren't, weren't we talking? And I know I'm just as guilty of that. Maybe it's not the phone. Maybe it's being present. Maybe it's the worries that kind of embody us. We worry about a lot of things that will never happen. Mark Twain said it this way. I'm an old man, and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. So for now, let's just be here and now. Because here's why. Because here is where God is. Here is where God is. God is present all places, all times. While we are limited, he is not. He is infinite. He is present all the time. That's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that God saw a gap between us and him. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fill this gap up by sending my son to this earth to live and to die for all the people. See, here the present moment is the only place where we can meet him. This moment is a divine moment. Every moment God has something to offer us, at least himself. Every moment can matter because every moment has God in it. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Literally means this. I'll be with you to the whole of every single moment. See, here, here is where we meet him. When we rest in God and are present with God, it prepares us for presence with other people. Presence with God prepares us for presence with people. Meaning this, 
that if you're present with God and you understand your presence with God, when you walk into Walmart and you get behind the lady who's using the coupons, you can have joy in that moment because you're present with God. It means that when you see someone who's in need because you're actually looking for that person, you're looking for opportunity, you can reach out intentionally because you're present with God. You can rest in his presence. There's an opportunity every single time you open your eyes and look around. There's opportunity to reach out to those around you. When you're present with God, you'll understand that there's freedom in him, that there's no greater freedom than the forgiveness that he offers because our past, it doesn't define us. We can either relive our past or we can release our past. And my hope is this Christmas season, you'll look to God and see the joy that he brings to you and you'll release your past to him. See, then and there will eventually be here and now. And guess who will be there? God will. So we can be free right here, right now, because he can be trusted with then. See, presence with God is exactly what we need. Because when we're truly present with God, we can then be present with others. So there's no place to be but here. There's no place to be but now. And I'm not talking about physically inside these walls. I'm talking about present in this moment with God. And so what I want to do today is I want to create some space for that. Because my guess is that there's so much clutter in your life over the course of the last week, because there's been so much clutter in my life over the course of the last week, that maybe you haven't carved out any time to be present with him. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to carve out some time right here, right now, to say, God, I'm here. And maybe this whole church thing is brand new to you, and you're sitting here today, and you're going, hey, I don't really know about this. Let's try it today. Can we try it today to be present with him? To say, God, if you're really there, if you're really available, would you speak to me? Would you make your presence known to me? For others of us, it might be an opportunity for us to say, you know what? My phone, it's going off, and I just need to turn it off today. For the next couple of minutes, I just need to turn it off so I can be present with God. I know that there's a tendency for some of us in the room, that the moment that we begin to sing a song, it's go pick up the kids right then and there because you don't want to be in here much longer. You've sat long enough. It's time to go pick up the kids, get in the car, drive out of here because you don't like the traffic getting out of here, and you just want to go. Can we just let that pass by today? Maybe you're worried about your kids, and let me say this. Unless there's a number popping up on the screen behind me, your kids are fine. Let's let that just go by today. And let's focus intentionally on being present with God in this moment. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take a couple minutes. And I've asked Kenny to play behind me, not because uh, we need that moment, but because I think silence sometimes is just awkward. And silence can be a distraction. And so today we're just going to take two minutes. And in this two minutes, let every distraction, let everything go by you and instead be present with God because in presence with God is where you'll find joy. Presence with God is where you'll find opportunity. Presence with God is where you can begin to be intentional about the opportunities that God places in front of you. And presence with God is freeing. Presence with God because he's here. Are you listening for him? Let's take two minutes and let's be present with him.
God, we thank you. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that we can have time with you. Allow this time right here to not be the last time this week that we spend with you. Allow us to focus on being present with you. God, we're so thankful for the sacrifice that you made by sending your son to this earth for us. Allow us to worship you because of that. God, we love you and we thank you. Tune in that we pray.